0: This is The Rich Eisen Show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure, The Rich Eisen Show. Dion
1: pressing all the right buttons. Henry Blackburn, he made a tremendous uh, hit on Travis on the sideline. Whatever it was, it does not constitute that he should be receiving death threats. Love you, Dion Sanders.
0: Earlier on the show, NFL Network insider Tom Pellicero. Coming up, Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor. Fox Sports college football analyst Bruce Feldman, comedian Gary Goldman, and now it's Rich Eisen. Hour number
2: three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. We had a great chat with Tom Pelissero in hour number one uh, of the show, and uh, I'm looking up right now and I'm seeing him on NFL Network on the NFL Insider Show. He's wearing a a leather, a black leather jacket with a black T-shirt underneath like he's a greaser, you know, honestly, like he's hanging out with Pinky Tuscadero, Um, you know, after he chatted with with us. uh, He was just in his regular casual, I guess, hanging around the house, Tom Pellicero clothes.
1: He changed up.
2: He changed it up. Uh, I mean, should I take offense like he's dressing up? I know it's his show, but I mean. Uh, Tom looks good. Uh, you know, honestly. I feel with, Tom is comfortable with us. Are they going to start singing doo-wop? <laughs> well, Ian's wearing a I t-shirt, don't know. But I know the I mean, Ian, at the top. Ian was dressed much nicer for What the Football with the, with Susie oh, and Amy, which, you, by the way, you should go get uh, where all your podcasts are acquired. Um, at any rate, that's the latest from here. <laughs> uh, Bruce Feldman's going to join us in studio in about 20 minutes' time. He's fresh back from yet another trip to see Dion in Boulder, Colorado. We'll ask him if he knows the flight attendants names on the LAX to Denver uh, flights. Uh, But joining us right now in advance of a big game on Monday Night Football, they're all big games in the National Football League, um, is the uh, head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. Kind enough to zoom in right now on the Rich Eisen show. For the first time ever, good to see the coach, Zach Taylor, here on. How are you, coach? Good to see you. I'm doing great, Rich. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I've been I've been trying to get you on for a while because, you know, first of all, you you're you're clearly a smart enough guy to lean on someone from my hometown of Staten Island, New York, as you do for your defensive coordinator in Lou Anarumo, Zach. You know? So
3: Yeah, that's one of my biggest faults right now.
2: <laughs> really? Oh, okay. I, just a full disclosure, uh my, my older brother went to high school with Lou at Susan Wagner High School. I went to school with his sister, Elena. So, you know. Say how to loop for me. It's basically what I'm saying. I will. I
3: will. Yeah.
2: Does he? He? But uh, unlike unlike me, he he's got his New York accent from time to time, right? All the time. Oh yeah. Is that-
3: he's got it. He's got all the new york to him you can imagine so i feel that on daily basis i love it he's a great guy to interact with and uh but he's probably from Staten island that's for sure
2: oh he definitely is yeah you have to cut me off in track traffic to realize my new york accent that comes out then zach that's for darn sure and plus i'm glad that you're on so we can kind of work through this um zach and i i don't know if you thought i was concerned uh with you coming on this program trying to make up for those uh three touchdowns you threw against my Wolverines in the 2005 Alamo Bowl, Zach, you know. Those are facts, right?
3: One of my favorite games. Yeah, <laughs> came from behind, uh, hit a two-point conversion to go 32-28, and then we held off on the on the miraculous finish, which is one of the almost one of the all-time great finishes that nobody ever really knows about. There was lateral's all over the place, right? And that all one of the points and Zach Bowman was standing in the end zone for some reason and saved the day on about the 9-yard <laughs> line and uh it's a game I show often because nobody nobody knows the ending because we stopped them. So what do you mean you show often? What do you mean you show that often? Well, when people talk about last plays of the game, and and uh, it's one that you know never makes news because no one scores, no one knows how close to what both teams on the field thinking the game's over, celebrating. I'm at midfield and I'm on offense, and uh, and so it was almost one of the you know the Cal Stanford ish type of finishes, yes. and, uh, but was not. So not many people know about it.
2: So you show this to your team um, on occasion just to just to prove, hey, you got to always have your head on a swivel. Be situationally smart is what you're saying.
3: I don't know that it's come up in a team meeting, okay. uh, but just you know, with with other coworkers and in a quarterback room, occasionally it comes to mind.
2: Well, Burrow, being an Ohio State guy, maybe deep down at heart, if you scratch away the LSU Tiger in him, um, he might he might appreciate you having beaten Michigan, Zach. He might actually get into that. You never know. Um, So, uh, again, you having played the position, uh, tell me the first time you realized when you got a chance to meet him that Joe Burrow was the special quarterback that we know him to be, Zach.
3: I heard a lot about him, you know, before I I knew his dad. Um, I knew of his brothers before I ever knew Joe Burrow existed. You know, his two older brothers played in Nebraska before I got there. He used to cross paths with his dad in the recruiting halls of Colerain High School here in Cincinnati when I was at UC – And so I heard a lot about this kid, Joe Burrow, and so started to follow his career when he transferred to LSU. Um, You could just watch the games and know. You know, it's one of the few players I really felt confident that you had a true understanding of the person before you actually met him. And then to meet him in the 17-minute combine interview that we did, uh, verified the things that we'd heard about him, and felt really good about selecting him with the first pick, and it's worked out really well for us.
2: So that 17-minute interview you had in in the hotel in Indianapolis – that that when he walked out, everybody looked at each other and said, this is it? Or did you continue grinding, Zach?
3: I think we knew before that. I uh, certainly was <laughs> icing on the cake. And I, I say 17 minutes. We may have encouraged him to come three or four minutes early, so it might have been more 20, 21 minutes. I bet. Uh,
2: well, I mean, coming off a 60-touchdown season like that, you know, and then, uh, and then it, it, again, I, I imagine, because you had a decision to make, and I know I'm hitting the way-back machine before we get to the present here, um, to give him his – old college receiver or one of them back was that a a big um was that something that you decided to lean on when it was jamar chase time in the draft a couple years ago zach
3: yeah you know i think the only question i asked joe was scale of one to ten how how badly would you want jamar on the team and he said ten and there's really not much more need for conversation there um you know we would seen all the tape and we knew how special Jamar was, and so it became a pretty easy selection for us.
2: Well, I'm sure, but you're you know you also could have been, if you will, for, for, sorry for the analogy, or the parent in the room, because your choice was to protect Burrow sure. up front too, Zach, which, as we know, is, has been a conversation um, yep. over his professional career. That wasn't a consideration as soon as you as soon as you No, it
3: was i mean we, we had all the dialogue you got to have you know in the draft room and everybody uh, voiced their opinion on all sides of the matter and we went to Souls pro day loved mm-hmm. Um went to Kyle Pitts pro day loved love cow that's that's the one I, I went to both of those i didn't even go to jamar's um but at the end of the day you want to be explosive and attack people and give the quarterback weapons and we felt like we could we could get the lineman that we needed to help him and so it's, it's worked out in our favor, I would say.
2: Zach Taylor here on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, so let's get to the here and now. What what has been off, do you think, over the last two weeks for your team,
3: Zach? Well, we played two really good divisional teams. And and so, again, that's um, part of the early part of the season is finding your identity and finding different ways to win and just steal some wins early in the year before you get into your groove. And unfortunately, we're 0-2 right now, same as we were last year. Uh, but this team is made of the right stuff we, we we've got confidence and and what we can do going forward in these next 15 weeks and um we feel good about where we're going to be at
2: okay and offensively um have things been off because joe's not a hundred percent zach
3: we we felt pretty good last week uh we had seven possessions scored on three of them and then throw pick in the end zone on the fourth one so um, you know, when you play Baltimore, it comes down to turnover battle, and, and you're going to have limited possessions, and so we weren't able to maximize everything we did. But oh. I feel like we're moving in the right direction.
2: Okay, that was also my sneaky way of trying to get into have you talk about your quarterback's health, Zach. You kind of
3: <laughs> I'm pretty well schooled in this in this question. <laughs> uh, you know, he he really it, it's um it's been an encouraging early part of the week. um I've learned enough in my five years here to. To, to not assume anything. Right. Uh, we'll just take a day-to-day with him. He's been a little sore earlier in the week, but we'll see how it goes. Well, I'm fortunate to get an extra day here.
2: Well, is there a conversation being had about seeing the bye week imminent? I mean, it, it's it uh, imminent might be too tough of a word, but it is closer than it appears, right? And that you might have a conversation to try and give him the same amount of time off that you were afforded because of how early in the summer that Joe got hurt. Any thoughts about that on the table right now?
3: I think the number one thing is Joe's health and making sure he he's healthy in the short term and the long term. Um, so that's the focus point of any decision we'll make going forward and um, talking to him and, and seeing how he feels over the course of the week and then we'll get to where we need to get to.
2: Okay, and then just him in, in general, um, have you seen him ever bothered by anything serious, Zach? I mean, other than, you know, um, you know, the the obvious from last year's Monday nighter, but just other than that, um, have you ever seen him flappable, Zach?
3: No, because um, his preparation is so intense and so detailed that it gets him prepared um, that he's unwavered by any situation he encounters, you know, and, and again, that's what that's his edge. That what makes him so different. That's what makes him so rare. It's it's unexplainable at times because you're rarely around a person like this um, who operates like he does and um, you know so that's just Joe that's that's the best way to describe it you got to be around him to understand him uh, and we're happy that he's a Cincinnati Bengal. Well, can you give me a little bit more
2: meat on that bones? I think fans would love to know what what do you mean by his preparation? Uh, I, I'm sure again you've been around some tremendous professionals and 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 you played yeah. the position yourself. What, what do you mean by what he does and prepares that makes him special?
3: Well, I'd say, I'd say he's still, you know, career-wise, relatively young. He's in his fourth year, um, but there's a confidence about him that's uh, it, it, unusual. You know, sometimes you get guys early in the league where they're going to yeser you to death and say, "Yeah, I got it, I got it," when they don't really got it. And he's he's got enough confidence in himself to say, I, "I don't understand what you're saying. Um, you know, I, I don't understand this play. I don't want to run this play." and most guys are just yesterday to death early in the career and he doesn't do that. And so again, his preparation leads him to the confidence and the things that he knows and the things that he doesn't know. He's going to ask myself or Dan pitcher, or Brian Callahan and get some clarification. And, um, you know, he's unfiltered and that's, that's what you want. You don't want people just to tell you what you want to hear, especially at the quarterback position. Um, and so it's, it's a, uh, it's comforting to know that he's the quarterback and he's going to tell you how he feels.
2: So you've obviously ripped plays out of the playbook when he says no, no thanks. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've done that.
3: Yeah, that's a lesson I've learned as a young quarterback coach. You no, know, Matt Moore, the, the all-time great backup quarterback, yeah. Matt Moore, told me, quarterback ask for something you know call it because you've empowered him and he's asked for he's going to make it work and and if a quarterback says i don't like it even though you like it don't call it because then you know the game's in the balance and he's a little unsure undecided doesn't get it doesn't pull the trigger when you wanted him to and um so i've taken those lessons over my 10 years coaching quarterbacks and applied them to joe and uh, we've got really good dialogue going into games
2: who do you lean on Uh, again you know obviously you've been around this sport for a while um head coach since 2019 who who is your 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 I guess round table that you bounce things off of, Zach.
3: Yeah, my father, number one. He was a, he was my coach growing up. He's he's the best man I know. And so I lean on him for all the advice. And uh my brother's the OC at the Jaguars. We talk um very often. Um, you know, and bounce things off of each other know that we're gonna get true answers from one another. Uh, my father in law Mike Sherman coached mm-hmm. for a long time this league. He sat in these seats before and uh he can look right at me and know exactly what I'm feeling and what situation I'm going through. He's with me the other day after the Baltimore game and uh, he just he kind of knew what I was going through so um, I've got a lot of really good resources around me and, and guys on staff as well and, and uh, so I'm very fortunate that way.
2: What does Mike uh, tell you about 0-2 and how to handle that sort of thing? Zach what does well, tell you tell Just be
3: true to your team you know don't start being somebody you're not uh, just because you know uh, there's some to received adversity which which we all know this is an adversity two game losing streaks, not adversity there's there's real adversity at some point every season uh, that you're going to face and and so again um, just be consistent to who you are, and the team will respond the right way to that, and, and you'll be able to pull yourselves out of it. When
2: would you first meet Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, who you're going to see on Monday? I'm, I'm, by, the way, by the way, I'm sure you went through all of this at the Super Bowl a couple years ago, but this is the first time we're getting a chance okay. to talk. So what do you got for me? No, I like
3: talking about Sean. Um, Sean's been great to me and my family, and, and we met at Shua's. We, we have the same agent. was at the uh, the Combine. Okay. You know, I think it's here now. Um, so we met. We were kind of on our way to different meetings with our agent. And, and then I think I met him one other time before we played the Redskins on opening day in 2014, uh, Dolphins Redskins, and then he called me out of the blue, I saw he got the job, I didn't even know I had his phone number, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, sitting at my house and all of a sudden my phone rings and it says Sean McVay, and he, he offered me the assistant receiver job and told me I had uh, 48 hours to take the job. Um, I said, Great. He called me back one hour later. He said, Okay, what's your decision? <laughs> <laughs> he just got this energy about him that yeah. <laughs> you're just, you know, man, I'm from Oklahoma. I've lived in Cincinnati. I've I got to move to LA. I don't know anything about that. That's a little scary for me and my three kids, and my wife, and mm-hmm. uh, but Sean just has this way where it's like I got to go take this assistant receiver job and and move to the unknown of LA. And, uh, best decision I ever made.
2: And did you witness firsthand immediately apparently his ridiculous flashbulb memory recall where he would be able to tell you down a distance from something nineteen million years ago? Zach, have you seen something yeah. like that?
3: Oh yeah, sure. I mean, he he watches his own tape so much, you know, to learn from. Um, you know his own scheme and continue to evolve it. What are people seeing? And um, he's just got that that unbelievable memory. Um, I can't do that. You know that's that's unique to Sean. And um, again, just assemble that team right out the gate, and there was put some magic on top of it, and we had a great great year and went to the playoffs that very first year
2: how much does that inform you for this coming week where you are you thinking this is what he's probably thinking so you're going to go this way you're zagging because you know he'll zig or anything like that yeah, that's, a,
3: that's the best way to put it you know it's um you don't want to get it that was five years ago we worked together sure and and you can look at elements of their offense and our offense and it's very different and so um again you don't want to lead people down a road that um uh, you know, you're not, you're not certain what he's thinking. And so again, there, there's a the little nuances you can help with, but overall, um, I leave it up to Lou and his staff to, to put the best plan together.
2: Okay. Uh, last one for you. What do you say to Bengals uh, nation to the, uh, the Hude nation that might be really nervous right now about Burrow? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Owen two, they saw Burrow limping around. I mean, and, and, and it just might feel different to them based on last year's own two.
3: Yeah, it's OK. Um, you know, we've got really passionate fan base. And so um, I understand why people would feel that way. Uh, there's a confidence in our locker room and our coaching staff that, that we know what we have and we know what's in store for this season. Um, and so we're going to we're going to take it one game at a time and find a way to get some wins, and start stacking them. And um, we've been here before. And, and so we know the path to, to get out of this mess.
2: Coach, thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate Let's do this more often. You know, now that we now you know now that we're now we finally got past the 2005 Alamo Bowl together. You know,
3: I'll never get past it. I'll, I'll bring that up every time I see you. Rich. I appreciate it.
2: <laughs> Take care of yourself, Zach Taylor. Appreciate the time. Thank you. you got it. That's Thank the you. head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor. We'll always have the Alamo Bowl of 2005. Remember the Alamo Bowl. So Burrow is a little
1: sore. You got to set it Me too. Uh, No. No. (laughs) Why? go 0-3? Then what?
2: I don't know if there's any team. What are the numbers
1: of 0-3 teams to make the playoffs? It's not great. Probably 1%.
2: I'm guessing. It's not great. (laughs) Oh, I should get him back to ask him how much Puka Nakua film is he unspooling. All of it. (laughs) By the way, having a Staten Islander say the words Puka Nakua would be fantastic. If you took, just stored on the street right now, go down Highland Boulevard in Staten Island and just show the name to somebody on Staten Island. Pronounce this. Fantastic. So Lou Anarumo, you know, he's circling this kid right now. Why We should have
1: Lou on as a guest at some point. I'd love it. You'd hear it. I should have my brother interview him. <laughs> All right, I answer my own question. Since 1979... Only six teams have made the playoffs yeah, after starting 0-3. The it. last team to do it, the uh, 2018 Houston Texans. That's right. I remember that. I remember that one. And they had a huge lead in the first half against the Chiefs in the playoffs. And uh, what happened then? Yeah.
2: 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. Guess who's strolling into our studio? Our friend Bruce Feldman. Back from his residency in Boulder, Colorado. hmm <laughs> There he is. Ruth. Look at him. Is that him smiling at my joke right now? No. Okay. What nickname are you most proud of that you did? By the way, I knew that's when I arrived, is when you called me... Betty uh, Davis.
1: Rich D- Betty Davis-Eisen. Betty Davis-Eisen. Davis the thing about the nicknames, and I know we talked about it, is they never... This is revisionist history. When people were well, he really wanted to do this to be famous. Garbage. I did it because it was 2.30 in the morning and... It said Seattle 5, Kansas City 2 with no pictures for a minute. Yeah, right. You got to go with something. <laughs> right. So here's Julio, won't you let me take you on a seat? cruise had three doubles for the Mariners. <laughs> okay, so it's just, it came out, it worked. It, we, we, that's not the question you asked me. The ones that work the best are the ones that, they're all plays on names, none are derogatory. But you don't have to eat. So Bert, be home love eleven, right? Okay? That's a good one. So, <laughs> well, you don't have to know he's a pitcher. You don't have to know he throws a curveball. Right. You don't have to know anything. Right. Every kid's heard it. Every parent said it. You don't even have to be a baseball fan to get that. So, a lot of them are food. Some of them are, I mean, John tonight. Let it be Lowenstein. That's I mean, right. um, there. I mean, there's Jose. Can you see Cruz? B. Young again, McDowell. McDowell. That was- <laughs> I mean there with Jim two silhouettes on Deshae's. I mean that's music. Joe actual retail price. price. I mean there's just it's it a, was but a great it, one. it's it but there's it's a game everyone can play, you know, and then, then yeah. with football you go over to high only under highlights and you know Eric sleeping with B.A. Be- that's, Be- that's my, that's my favorite. Um, that's Eric sleeping right? Eric with B.A. Be- or Be- or um, Bernard innocent until proven guilty. Until proven guilty. Everybody has their, their Andre favorites. Andre Bad Moon Rising. Well, that was next. Well, he tattooed Bad Moon right here on uh, no. pre-tattoo days. Andre's great. On the left, left bicep. No no way he knew who Creedence Clearwater Revival was. No, <laughs> no way. But Bad Moon Rising, you know, there's tons of them. Ah, all of Chris Berman's appearances
2: rest on our YouTube feed for sure. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show Radio Network, sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk furnished by Grange with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, com or just stop by, as Bruce Feldman has in his usual Wednesday spot from Fox Sports and The Athletic. Good to see you, sir. Good to
4: see you. So um, you're not going to Boulder this week, right? No. this No is, game? No, they're not even there. They're they're going to be in uh, Eugene, Oregon. So Now that would
2: be the ultimate Dion effect is that shows and people go there when they're not even playing. Paying homage right? just to <laughs> kiss the ground. Where are you
4: going this week? We are going to Cincinnati. We are going, uh, the Bearcats are playing Oklahoma. Oklahoma's very good this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what kind of crowd we get. Um, oh, I think it'll be supportive of Urban. Yeah, I think it will be in Cincinnati. You know, I would imagine that there will be yeah, because Urban played there. You, there's a famous picture of Urban with the '80s mustache back after his minor league baseball career. Okay, didn't get off.
2: I did not know that. Very good. Um, So, you just came back from Boulder, though, right? I mean, you were just there. What was that day and night like, Bruce Feldman?
4: Yeah, um, you know, again, this was not our game the big noon game. So it yeah. wasn't like there was a game right after There was no game right after right. they played, you know, late that night. Yes, they did. Um, both our show and college game day were there. Now we were not like in the same location. So you're not seeing the other crowd, but it was interesting because we had Gronk come in. Gronk obviously works at Fox now. And he came in to have a pre-show party. And it was funny. He flew in in the middle of the night from Florida and <laughs> He, he rolls in like 10 minutes before he's, I mean, we were promoting the heck out of this. Mm-hmm. Him and Lil Wayne are going to be, you know, it's their their party. Mm-hmm. And Gronk's like, you know, I've never started partying at 7 a.m. I've been partying at 7 a.m., but I never started at 7 a.m. <laughs> and that distinction with the difference. Um, he was awesome. The crowd was amazing. Lil Wayne was phenomenal. It was a great atmosphere. Dion did both shows. and I remember when he came over, um, you know, he was... Dion. Dion's fantastic on camera. And it was funny because, you know, we don't get to see college game day. Mm-hmm. It's on the opposite, you know, we're working or whatever. And I remember so I have a hit in our show that was in the second hour mm-hmm. and you know, you're in the middle of the crowd and you feel good. And then somebody said to me, He goes, Um, you know, Dion I think was with the rock at the same time you were on. And I was like, How I was about to say, How was he? But I was like, Dion's always good on camera. He's yes. great on camera. Right. Whatever,
2: of course, and so it was just a festival, right? It was a a festival,
4: yeah. and then a brawl kind of broke out that night, you know? Yeah. So the game, you know, normally Colorado, Colorado State, and it's not that like Colorado State is great this year or anything like that. So they get in, and Jay Norvell, who's normally a pretty low key guy, yeah. um, he he said had some comments, obviously about the hat and sunglasses, and unlike the previous weeks where um, Colorado players had brought up something Matt rule had said in the offseason or maybe Kendall Briles the TCU coach and how it was personal this actually was personal I think to Dion
2: he had his mother deliver yeah. the speech to the team beforehand you know and yes it was personal so to it was him. gonna get
4: nasty and I remember and obviously there was a bunch of stuff that happened in that game there was a lot of penalties obviously the hit on Travis Hunter that was late Um I remember texting a couple of my buddies from Big Noon and be like, "This is gonna have, have a bench-clearing brawl." You could just kind of feel it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it didn't get to that point. Right. But there was the emotions were swirling so bad. Um, you know, part of this is what we love about college football and football in general. And I think that you know there was elements where it felt a little like a big hockey game kind of thing, where it was like Avalanche Red Wings kind of thing. And it's like, okay, I know this is a rivalry but there was so much hype around the game in that day. And then it's like festering from our show's end at noon Eastern, 10 o'clock local. And then those like, basically almost 12 hours later they're playing. Yes. So just that whole emotional swing, uh, you know, it's just like, then the TV rating of the game comes in, it's almost 10 million viewers. And 10 million viewers for like a Pac-12 after dark game, when it doesn't even involve two Pac-12 schools. It's insane. This, All this is
2: why I told you, and we've been having this conversation, it feels like it's a little bit of Groundhog Day, but it is the story of sports right now. It truly is 100%, even with the first two weeks of the NFL being underway, because um, it does mix so many pop culture aspects of the world together, along with professional and collegiate sports, and it's Dion, he's at the cross-section of it, that if this had happened two years ago, the Pac-12, might have been able to look at UCLA and UCLA, USC in the eyes and say, we got this. And everyone would be falling. Yeah. Television networks would be falling all over themselves to have the Pac-12 contract.
4: It's for cr- sure. it, The tentacles of this are unreal to see. I mean, we talked about this the other day. I did a story on his business manager. Yeah. And Constance. it ran on The Athletic. Yeah. Today, it is the entire front page of the New York Times sports section. The entire front page is, is that. It's that it's Constance
2: Schwartz, yeah, isn't? and well, she deserves she deserves it. It's stray too. I mean, it's not just Dion for her.
4: No, I mean, it's, it's not. Just- and but it's just like this shows you the scope and how hot Dion is. Sixty Minutes does a piece on Dion. Yeah. They you know, coming off of the games, you know, people cannot get enough of it. Now, college football fans, diehards, I think are are like kind of over it. And I think a little to the same degree of like old Notre Dame, and to somewhat maybe even. You know 90s and 80s miami yeah where i think people are tuning in hoping to see them lose because i think they're just you know but there's an i think there is a is a big portion of those fans but they want to watch they cannot not watch
2: that's what dion's been about since uh, the late 80s i've got bruce feldman here on the rich eyes and show and you just said you know some people might be tuning in to watch colorado lose this may be the week where it happens more than any of the last three Travis Hunter is out for how long? Three weeks, we, at, we're, at least. we're hearing, yeah. Well, I mean, Warren Sapp came on the show yesterday talking about, by the way, that he would love to be part of Deion's staff in 2024, that there's an opportunity there that he's working hard to go and, and meet the requirements for and get ready for. Uh, mentioned is a lacerated liver for, for Travis Hunter. And so that's serious. And man, I would have loved to have seen him out there against Oregon. How do you think this matchup looks to you, Bruce?
4: I think this is the most talented team. You know, Bo Nix is a much better quarterback than than they've faced so far this year. Chandler Morris is good. Bo Nix is next level. This is a more physical offensive line. This is a much faster team um, than what TCU had, especially on defense. I mean, you know, the point spread is similar to what it was at TCU. I think, and also now there's a lot of film on what CU does mm-hmm. I still think CU is going to score a bunch of points because Shador is that good of a quarterback uh they are one positive they're they won't have Travis Hunter they will get Alton McCaskill who is a big transfer running back he was the rookie of the year in the AAC two years ago he's coming off any injuries finally been cleared now we don't know how much he's going to play but that should help their offense even if he can give them 15 20 snaps mm-hmm. I suspect they will they will lose in a high-scoring game just because I don't see them, you know, you wonder how long that their limited depth can hold up as we get further into the season. And this is a, like I said, this is a tough place to play. It is a much more talented team than they've faced so far. Nebraska did not have the firepower and the athletes that Oregon has. TCU had some of it, but not like this. And now... Um, my guess is, you know, they will end up losing something like, you know, a forty-five to thirty-one kind of game. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think they were going to win at TCU, and they av- absolutely did that. But they had Travis Hunter for this, and they had Travis Hunter making plays on both sides of the ball. I think they will miss him even more on defense than they do on offense, just because of how good Bo Nix is at extending plays.
2: And then, I mean, the rest of this is this is the first full weekend I think where there's. Big-time games all over the country, obviously. Um, let's hit Ohio State-Notre Dame. How do you see that one playing out? What's your preview of that one, Bruce Feldman?
4: Yeah, this is a heavyweight fight right now. Last year, first real game for Marcus Freeman, You know, he coached the bowl game, but when he got in there, they, I thought, did a really good job keeping it close. And that was against C.J. Stroud right. at Ohio State. C.J. Stroud's obviously in the NFL. Now, Kyle McCord's had some good moments. There's still Marvin Harrison Jr., um, you know, Sam Hartman is a huge upgrade from anything Notre Dame's had playing quarterback probably since Brady Quinn, and that's a long time ago. And so I think Notre Dame has a lot of speed. I think Notre Dame matches up pretty well. Um, I feel like, you know, I'm, you said it, this weekend there's awesome matchups. This is the headliner because you have, you know, two top 10 teams, it's in a storied atmosphere. I would not at all be surprised if Notre Dame knocked off Um, Ohio State. The thing is, as you well know, the team that's been able to get them is Michigan, who has been really, really physical. Notre Dame has a good offensive line. I don't know if it's quite as good as what Michigan's had the last couple years. You know, they run the ball well. Um, Man, I can't wait to watch. I mean, my my gut wants to pick Notre Dame Mm -hmm. in this game, but my head's telling me you know, at some point the Ohio State receivers are just too good, and they'll make big plays at the end of the game, and, and that, and they'll pull it out. But I'm, I can't wait to watch this game.
2: You know, it's an, it's fascinating. Whatever you said over the last two minutes, they, it just turned into Charlie Brown's teacher. As soon as I heard you say the team that beats Ohio State is Michigan, and that Notre Dame might not have the same thing that Michigan has, as soon as you said that, everything else out just, it just, I just tuned out the rest of what you said. Not my intent. <laughs> um, Jim Harbaugh comes back. Uh, against Rutgers, three and zero versus three and zero, right
4: there. That's an interesting one. But what what uh, what else uh, is up there for you to hit here? So let's get to the like Clemson, which got smashed by Duke yeah. in the opener. You know, yep. Um, but now they go to Florida State. Florida State looked really good. Same weekend against a talented LSU team, blew them off the field. Yep. Right. So, um, can you know were we wrong? Were there overreactions of week one? You know i I don't think Clemson's going to win this game. What I'm wondering is, does Clemson stay competitive in this game? That would right? be unbelievable.
2: And and the fact that you are saying that just speaks volumes of how how things have changed there at Clemson so fast. I, I'm with you. I think Florida State is more talented. I mean, I think it's just, it's that simple. I mean, the, the quarterback's been around for what ten years. Number one. Number two, uh, the team dismantled LSU for a reason. I think they're they're, really, they're much more talented than Clemson, don't yeah, you think? I mean, just they are. In. And the
4: area where the biggest upgrade for them is—and you do NFL—is there's a lot of old Clemson receivers in the NFL who've been really good in the NFL for mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. There aren't right now. They've missed on receivers, and and Florida State, to their credit, their receivers—and we'll throw Jaheim Bell as a tight end in there who came from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. But Florida, here's the difference between the two programs right now: uh, Keon Coleman. Started his career at Michigan State. He's a Louisiana kid, super athletic, big receiver. Clemson doesn't have that. Uh, Johnny Wilson, 6'7", 240-pound guy who can really run um, and is a freaky athlete, tight end size but receiver athleticism. Started out his career in the Pac-12, came to Florida State. Jaheim Bell started out his career in the SEC, and now he's there, and he's the very versatile tight end, and they do a lot of stuff with him. Clemson doesn't have that. Jordan Travis can throw to those guys. Those are matchup problems. I think those are the guys who blow the game open in the second half for Florida State, but I do want to see, is Clemson going to prove us wrong and sit there and and show us that, hey, a lot of these guys who are well-regarded coming out of high school don't, don't give up on Clemson. But, I mean, I'm not going to say if Clemson gets blown out that Dabo's run there is like he's never going to see the playoff again. Oh, sure. But... This is a, to me, this is a, we're going to find out a lot more about Clemson than we probably will about
2: FSU. So, you, what's your concern level of
4: that for Alabama right now? Um, mine's none because Nick Saban's won six national titles, right? So, <laughs> well, like no, his I, legacy I, is square. I, but, no, like, I'm not
2: talking about legacy. I'm literally talking about 2023. Your concern level for the Alabama Crimson
4: Tide for this season is what? Uh, are they a, are they a, a seriously a top ten team? And they looked terrible last week against USF, right? So I think that was the opportunity where Nick Saban and his new OC Tommy Reese gave Tyler Buckner and said, "Look, you you followed Tommy Reese here for a reason. We're going to mm-hmm. give you a shot. It didn't go great. It Didn't go good. And now, what I am really curious about and intrigued is his old assistant Lane Kiffin, whose team has played well early." Um, you know, he put something out there. He t- Lane Kiffin told his own, you know, Ole Miss beat writers, hey, uh, the defensive coordinator is not the defensive coordinator. The secondary coach is now calling the defense. And for Lane Kiffin to put that out there, to basically troll his old boss and create a big distraction for Nick Saban on game week to the point where he knows Nick Saban's going to get asked about it. And in Lane Kiffin fashion, he didn't not only bring it up, he then started retweeting people talking about it on Twitter as if, hey, by the way, did you guys see what I said? And so Nick Saban gets asked about it. Nick Saban said, no, Kevin Steele is star defense coordinator. You know, it was, by the way, it was after like one game of substance. It was the Texas game. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just the defense that lost that game. The offense looked really bad too. So that, you know, jousting between Lane Kiffin trolling his old boss. Now it's in Tuscaloosa. Um, and you know, like I can only imagine what was going through Nick Saban's head when somebody told him, Hey, Lane said, Kevin's not the defensive coordinator that T Rob's now running the defense You mean, By the-
2: you mean uh, Nick's not on
4: Reddit himself. He's not, he's not trolling the I message would. board's pages. No, I think he has better things to do at this time than to be on Twitter. <laughs> um, but the fact that Lane said it, and also these staffs are really close. Nick Saban's old defense coordinator, Pete Golding. He is now the defense coordinator for Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. There's a lot of connections between the staff. Yeah. Same agent. They're both represented by Jimmy Sexton. I'm sure there's a lot of gossip that gets back to Oxford, and I'm sure it gets back to to, to Tuscaloosa. So that's the that's the subplot in that's that a game. That's good One, i like it. But the okay. fact that Lane retweets this stuff well, this means a, means what? He thinks that that Nick is uh, he wants is, to be a pain in the butt. Yeah, I mean, it's just game week.
1: Turn it up. Yeah, I don't. I just think he
4: wants to be a pest. Yeah. And he wants to try to get under his skin and create distractions. Why else would you do that? But what's a distraction for Nick? Like, but that
2: Nick's going to answer a question that, you know, he's going to be pissed about answering. I mean, agitation.
3: Yeah. But But do you think it it filters down
2: to the X's and O's and the kids
4: and whatever? No, I don't think it does. I think it's to annoy my old boss. I don't know how else. else Because if you have some kind of intel that you want to use. Yeah. Are you really going to broadcast it?
1: But they also have a quarterback thing going on in Alabama. Yeah, sure. And they they so, do, but Milro, I mean,
4: that's separate. This is this is like to, to pile on top of it. Jeez.
2: Wow. Uh, before I let you go, what else What, what else are you looking forward to this weekend? I, I mean, just feel there's, like the, there's so many. I there's remember. another
4: good game in the Pac-12. UCLA goes to play Utah. Yeah, there you go. Utah's really good. It's two of the most physical teams in the conference. Uh, we'll find out more this week whether Cam Rising who beat USC twice last year. Yes. He's coming off a knee injury that happened in the in the Rose Bowl. Is he going to be cleared and ready to go? Mm-hmm. He hasn't played yet. Um, he will definitely help them if he can go. Um, so many good games. There's like seven really good games this week. Well, I look forward to it. Um, enjoy
2: Cincinnati. Thank you. Greatly appreciate your time here. Um, and it's just, it's so much fun. And, and, and again, um, Dion leading the way. I, 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 I sensed, I didn't see 3-0, I'll be honest with you.
4: Who but saw 3-0? and He might have, but nobody else saw 3-0. I, I
2: think so. I mean, 3-0. 3-1, maybe? Uh, uh, 3-1 but, maybe. but just, it, it is remarkable. I, I, I see it in what people who consume this program are interested in when we talk about it. It's Dion. It is truly him and everything going on with him and how he is comporting himself and how people still miss you know represent him or 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 his intentions it's wild man and i just love how he's playing into it and i just love how smart his team is his team looks smart you know and um uh, they they had I, I don't think they expected you know the brass knuckles treatment from their opponent last week but maybe that just makes him stronger going into oregon i don't know
4: yeah i don't know yeah. i think there's gonna be more doubters coming off this game maybe not than the, than tcu because nobody knew what to expect right but um you know, like if they somehow get out of this game for oh. now, <laughs> because this <laughs> is a way to have
2: so, USC coming in.
4: Well, just because they have film on what, you know, like, again, this is not to give TCU an excuse or whatever. But like, no, no, T- no. there was no film. You look at Kent State stuff, but you don't you're matching up with different players. Yeah. Um. You look at Jackson State stuff to see the personnel. This now that people have film on. Them, yes. And they don't have Travis Hunter.
2: Tough assignment to say the least. Bruce Feldman here on the Rich Eisen show every single Wednesday from Fox Sports and the Athletic. Great to see you, sir. Good seeing you. Awesome. eight four four two zero four Rich number to dial. Still to come, my power rankings entering Week Three, and the comedian Gary Goldman, very funny in studio. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts people, or as you might know from their jingle, O O O O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Helpful and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com/slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen.
3: Check out our new NBA show Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS
4: Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss five days a week talking all things nba whether you're looking for insightful discussions upbeat commentary breaking news interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts
2: this is a letter okay written in march of to colts Owner Jim Ursay, who at the time, a month away in the draft, the decision between you and Peyton Manning. It's from Hunter S. Thompson. (laughs) Dear James. Dear James. Dear James, in response to your addled request for a quick $30 million loan to secure the services of the Manning kid, I have to say no at this time. But the Leaf Boy is another matter. He looks strong and Manning doesn't, or at least not strong enough to handle that welcome to the NFL business for two years without a world-class offensive line. How are you fixed at left OT for the next few years, James? Think about it. You don't want a China doll back there when that freak sap comes crashing in.
1: <laughs>
2: okay, let me know if you need some money for Leaf. I expect to be very rich when this Depp movie comes out. Your faithful consultant, Hunter, and it's signed HST, the absurdity
4: of the fact that a Hunter S. Thompson knew who I was, and b that he was he was trying to persuade Mr. Ursay to draft me instead was just
2: comical, and tw- not to see it for 20 years. How does it? It just it's just nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. Right. I called John Walsh of ESPN. It's a thousand percent real. Wow. And Hunter S. Thompson was a huge NFL fan. And obviously had an opinion on, on the 1998 draft. This well, I think is, now that we know that ev- a lot of people had an opinion on the 1998 <laughs> NFL draft. This and is amazing. Isn't that amazing? I love I, that line is that you don't want a China doll back there when that freak sap comes crashing in.
4: The
0: irony <laughs> I of all this, this, to right, the irony of this,
4: he would go on and play, start the most consecutive
2: games of anybody. That's and <laughs> I would be injured going into year two and miss the entire oh, season. So we're just... Just reminding people. Strong underlined. Yes, strong. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for all your viewing needs right here on this Wednesday show. Fun stuff. Back here on our program. Um, Let's go to Todd in Scottsdale, Arizona. What's up, Todd?
0: Good morning. How are you guys? I owe you an apology. I... Work nights uh, at one of the biggest casinos in Scottsdale, Arizona. And so I literally fall asleep to reruns of your show until the live show comes on. So good morning, fellas. That's that's awesome. So why do you have to
2: apologize? What's the apology for?
0: Oh, (laughs) it's just funny. But listen, (laughs) let me run through a scenario because I am a huge Cardinals fan. And with all the Dion talk... Um, Last night at work, some of me and my buddies were trying to discuss what what could possibly happen. And if you think about it, Caleb Williams' father already came out and said, I am not going to let my son go to a bad franchise. Well, that's us. I mean, if we're not a bad franchise, we've got the Steve Kine burner phone. We've got the Steve Wilkes lawsuit. We've got Bidwell charging people for sodas. Let's just say, for example, they decide, because if you look at their schedule and you look at Houston's schedule, our Super Bowl is November 19th when we play each other. Mm -hmm. Um, If you break that down, and we end up with the one and the two pick, because what Austin Ford did was pretty brilliant in getting Houston's number one pick next year. If Caleb Williams' dad says, We're not going there. We're going back to school, or we're going somewhere else. And they move down two spots to the three. And let's just say the three, for example, is Belichick, who you think would probably love to move up to the one. We get a couple number ones for the three. Yes. we draft Harrison with the two. And with the three we end up taking Shador Sanders
2: okay well here here uh, Todd let me let me first of all first of all let me just jump in here let me just jump in here Todd first okay. of all I appreciate your fandom secondly to use the parlance of maybe what you 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 started this thing with that that sounds like splitting kings Todd you know what I mean <laughs> like uh, uh, honestly like you you're 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 never, never do that. By the way, so right, if so you did on. A, that
0: uh, in my pit, I would yell at you. I know. So <laughs> so here's the thing. So everything
2: that you just said that might okay, be tell- No no. Everything that you just.
0: Let, let Every- me finish one more part of that. If he if we do get Harrison, we move down to three. We get Sanders. We get a couple of more picks, and then he his dad follows him here. Dan and coaches him for a year. They're still not that great. Now Dion says. I'm going to go coach my son with the Cardinals. Comes here, brings Zach, brings all his friends, Mm -hmm. drafts his other son, Shiloh. I got you. What does that make Ben franchise worth? A billion dollars. We hear about the on every day, all day, Colorado. He's a genius. Everything you said earlier, everything he touches is gold.
2: I got you, Todd. I, I hear you. And thank you. Appreciate the call. Don't apologize ever for taking us in. Um, even though you say you fall asleep to us, that's fine. Um that's, listen, a, comp- that's a compliment. I do I do I do understand that. I do understand that. Yeah. I want people to know that too. That yeah. Yeah. that's a compliment. And the same always, way you don't want to split. Also always like, been wait, on 16. No, here's where Todd's on to something. Todd's on to something that if there is a franchise that wants to do what Colorado just did, which is basically hand the keys over to Dion and say it's your world. It's your facility, it's your it's your business relationships. It's your everything, your mantra, your essence, everything. We will hand the keys over to you, and that also includes we'll we'll hire your kids too for you to coach in the pros. Now, you know, then there's contract talks and things like that. Then there's the money aspect of it that gets really dicey. That Dion always says, as he said the other day, he doesn't want any part of anybody that's overpaid or whatever. Um, but what do you? What he's saying right there is interesting. If an NFL team comes to Dion in the same way Colorado came to Dion and say, floor's yours, facility's yours, uh, marketing's yours, everything, we follow your lead. Would he be intrigued by that? Uh, I'm sure if the number also had a one and all the zeros after it too.
1: Yeah. How, how could he he might
2: be interested in that. And if he can bring his kid, he might be interested in that. I, I don't know. But he basically said, I don't want to coach grown men who might not listen to me because they've got all these contracts that are insanely um, lucrative and they might not be as motivated or easy to motivate. And we have seen him suffer fools uh, very uh, difficultly when he watches NFL games. But if you think Caleb Williams' father is when he says he doesn't want to go to a certain franchise for his kid, he might stay. And he's referencing the Arizona Cardinals in the same way that our caller Todd just referenced all the things going on in Arizona. Those are all the things we know about. Mm. The things that we might not know about might be also whispered into Caleb Williams' ear by Cliff Kingsbury, who's currently in that locker room on that staff in the film rooms with Caleb Williams, no doubt talking to his father as well. You know who also knows all that stuff? Deion Sanders. So if Caleb Williams' dad is saying this about his son, I'll tell you what, if Deion does ever endeavor the idea of going to the NFL, despite saying he won't, because there is somebody who shows up to him from ownership, like Rick George, the athletic director, showed up in Colorado, he will vet that owner more than more than he vetted Colorado. He knows more than anybody else what ownership means yeah. having played for DeBartolo, for Jones, for Snyder. Okay? Just to name three off the top of my head. He knows more than anybody else who. Owns the team and how important that is. So, if one dad is saying, my Heisman Trophy already winning son, and maybe for a second straight year, might just sit back and hang out on the campus of USC, which I still don't believe, because the Arizona Cardinals are on the clock, which is his, everybody's pickup of an inference from the father. Well, then Dion might feel the same exact way. So... But I also don't think an NFL team is just going to come right off the bat a year or two from now um, and offer Dion the keys to the store. Uh, I, I just don't know. Or if he'd be interested in it. He says he's not, right? He said he's not. He said he's not mm-hmm. at this moment. Got to believe him. But how many owners will just hand the keys to the store to the, uh, to the coach? I guess didn't Mark Davis did that with Gruden before that blew up? Yeah. Right? Looks like Jacksonville did it with Urban Meyer. How'd that work out? Yeah. Does Sean Payton have the full keys, maybe? Well, I mean, I think seems so.
1: Better. I mean, obviously Bill does in, in New England.
2: Well, and it seems like Mc, McDaniels does in Vegas right now where he's turning the team into a Patriots West, which I know they bristle at that notion. But what an interesting caller right there from start to finish. Falling asleep to us. But that, that honestly. Come on. Sometimes you just, you just take the hand that you're winning, right? Dion's got two kings in front of him. Stay. Just stay. One stay hand
1: beats you. right? Stay. You're not stay. splitting kings here to try stay. and
2: figure out where I'm going next with my kids. I don't think. No. But, you know, Gary Goleman, the comedian in my power rankings coming up in hour three, <laughs> reminds me of another Dion story. <laughs> On Thursday night football, the night where Schefter was called the monger, yeah, he's <laughs> putting all these stories together over the past Mangerer. week Mangerer. because he, he broke the story that Art Shell was going to be fired by the Raiders no matter what by the end of the year in Al Davis in all caps press release. This is a, he's a false rumor monger. Um, so long story short, um, <laughs> we are in Green Bay getting set to go to Oakland.
1: Okay,
2: all right, where we had our next game. And we were waiting for the plane to take off and it was delayed. So we were all, I don't know if this was kosher, we were so early on in NFL Network. We probably shouldn't have been in the casino in Wisconsin, in Green Bay, but we were there playing blackjack, waiting for the plane. And Dion was at the table. So he knows not to split Kings. Mm. And um, one of our um, producers, who shall remain nameless because if this is, Something I don't. I'm imagining the statute of limitations is passed from the NFL human resources and all that. Not. What was that like mid 2000s? He was great. He was great at being in the final position. Third base. Third base is the name. So you know what Dion nicknamed him? Terry Pendleton, because that was his favorite favorite third baseman when he played baseball. Nicknamed him Terry Pendleton Former for the rest repeat. of the night because he was playing a great third base. So Dion knows how to play his hand. Hour 2 is done. Hour 3 coming up.